Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen. I love talking to creative people. And today my guests are two people. Uh, they're the men behind the movie, You Can't Stay Here, filmmaker Todd Vero and actor Guillermo Diaz. And they produced the movie together. It's a story about a photographer who gets involved in the world of cruising in the rambles of Central Park. And it has all kinds of effects on his life. Uh, it's, it reminded me a little of cruising and a little of blow up. And it's just kind of dark and sexy and, and surprising. And it's cool that they made it. So I was excited to talk to them about it. And it's going to be showing soon in New York. So that's exciting. But before I get to the interview, I want to remind you that this podcast, Dennis Anyone, is brought to you by Stay Puff Marshmallows. No, it's not. I don't have any sponsors. It's just me. I do it, uh, but I love it. And uh, if you like it too, there are two ways you can support the podcast. You can go to DennisAnyone.net and you can leave a tip in my virtual tip jar. Help me cover my expenses. And I have to tell you guys, I got two tips in one day recently and they were on my phone and I was like, oh my gosh, it just felt so good. Uh, it meant a lot to me. So thank you to Robert N. and also to Warren D. for their tips that came in on the same day. It just meant a lot. And uh, it's a great way to round out the year. So thank you so much for that. The other thing you could do is you could become a subscriber to DNR Studios. I'm part of a group of shows under the Derek and Romaine banner. And for a monthly fee, you get my show early and you get all these other great shows. So go to dnrstudios.com to learn about that. All right, enough of the plugs. Here now is the interview with filmmaker Todd Vero and actor Guillermo Diaz from the movie You Can't Stay Here. Joining me now from New York and L.A., it's a bi-coastal affair. We've got filmmaker Todd Vero and Guillermo Diaz, the star of the movie You Can't Stay Here. Welcome, guys, to the podcast. What's up, man? Thank you for having us. I'm excited. Hey. I, I saw a post about this on uh, on social media, and I was like, I got to talk to them about this movie. So we, you know, we sent a few emails, and here we are, rounding out the year with your creepy ass film. Um, congrats <laughs> on it, um, Todd. You are the filmmaker, the director. How would you describe the movie to someone that knows nothing about it? Um, it's a movie about cruising and. Um how exciting and dangerous and uh, thrilling cruising can be. Right on. Guillermo, how did you get involved in this? Have you guys known each other for a long time? We, have, we haven't known each other for a long time. No, I was in New York City on a job about two years ago, and I was um, – I just creatively, I wanted to do something uh, different from what I was doing at the time. I was – it wasn't very uh, sort of fulfilling – uh, creatively. So, uh, I, I thought to myself, well, who are some of the filmmakers that I want to work with? And Todd was one of the first ones that popped into my head. And I remember, I think I followed him on Instagram and I was like, I'm going to message him. And I had a lot of time on my hands cause I was doing this, this show, but I wasn't very working on it very much. I just had to be there. Um, and the money was good, but yeah. I was like, so I reached out to Todd on social media and I was like, I'm a huge fan of yours. He responded and it sort of went from there. I think that's kind of badass because Todd doesn't make yeah. safe movies. You're not playing <laughs> it safe. You're, and you're also like, it's not a cushy. I don't imagine it's a cushy. I don't imagine a fancy trailer. Um, well, that's, that's what I loved about him. Yeah. I, I, you know, he's a gritty, like in your face, like unapologetic a filmmaker and that that's that's 100% what I wanted at at that time and I I've always wanted to work with him. Well, I could <clears> see as an actor this character being really rich and interesting to dive into. Can you talk a little bit about your character and what happens in his journey in the story? Give us a little bit of a an overview of that without giving too much away. Yeah, yeah, he's you know, uh, Rick the the character that I play is sort of struggling with his sexuality in the film we we, you know, encounter his overbearing mom who's dealing with uh, Alzheimer's and with his ex-wife. He has a young son. And in the midst of all of that, he is uh, sort of addicted to going to the ramble in Central Park and cruising. And um, and he's also a photographer. So in a way, that's a sort of a protective barrier between him and what's really happening in the in the park with all these guys because he could just sort of – uses camera as a sort of in-between excuse not to get involved sometimes. Um, but yeah, it's sort of, it's a, it's a, it's a really interesting sort of complex, you know, character trying to figure himself out. And then in the middle of all of that, there's this 
sort of really um, creepy, scary sort of, uh, you know, vampire-ish type uh, storyline that's happening with one of the men that are in the ramble of killing people. And my character encounters him and sort of has this, um, this he's sort of drawn to him, but uh, repelled and super frightened by him as well. It's, it, there, there's a lot going on. It was, it was, uh, it was really fun uh, diving into this, this film and this character. Yeah, I, I get the bad, the bad guy is kind of creepy in a really cool way. Like he's got a creepy mustache and kind of a, but he's also a little sexy, but he's also very gay. And you're like, it's, it, it ticks all the boxes. Um, Todd, a couple of the things that I thought of when I was watching it is cruising, obviously the Al Pacino movie, which you've, I think you've referenced in another one of your movies as well. It, it kind of has that look, especially those settings, obviously. But I also thought of the John Travolta movie, uh, blow up with, because oh, yeah. of the photography element and the sound and the mystery of it. And there were some touchstones in there. Todd, can you talk a little bit about some of the things that you were thinking about? Maybe references that you were making, or maybe they were unconscious or maybe just a coincidence. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was definitely thinking about um, Antonioni's Blow Up, right, and and Blow Out, right. which you know, was an update. Was yeah, yeah, yeah. Dating, um, and uh, you know, because in, in that film, it's it's really sort of about him. Um, it, his his character is kind of similar to Rick right. in this film, in that he's like using his photography to sort of distance himself from things that are happening in front of him, and also um, try to figure out who he is. Um, so that really interested me. Um, for cruising, I, I was, you know, I've always loved cruising, but I think it's problematic for me because, um, you know, the cruising scenes, it's all like Leatherman posing. And it's like, that's not what the <laughs> ramble is like at yeah. all. So um, I wanted to sort of recreate some of those scenes, but as they really are in real life, um, not this weird um, <laughs> fantasy version yeah. I also want to give a shout out to your t-shirt because I keep, I just realized it looks like it's a harness, but it's actually a shirt. I thought, yeah. oh, Todd is rocking a harness over a shirt for this interview. I'm very, first of all, that very is, flattered. It's kind of amazing. That is one of my favorite t-shirts that Todd owns. Yeah. He has a lot of great t-shirts and that's my favorite. <laughs> yeah. It's really, it's an effective thing and maybe a secret Santa option for people next year for me that might be listening to this. <laughs> um, I've never been to that part of Central Park. I live in LA. Um has it always been what it is depicted or is it like in the afternoon, that's where the girls go have tea parties or is it all gay, all sex all the time? What's the ramble like? Uh, it's, it's so fascinating. Um, that's another reason why I wanted to make this film and make and, and shoot it there because to me, it feels like the whole place was designed to be a cruising area. Like it's this, a theme park. Right. Of what <laughs> it's is. set up for it. They have the nooks I, and the crannies. I, I really believe it was set up for it. And, yeah. and that's why it is such a, you know, uh, it's like, and it's like that 24 hours a day, um, you know, during the day, it's obviously a little bit more um, hidden, um, but at night it's, it can be sort of a free for all. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, I think cruising areas like that have always fascinated me because I think there, there's something sacred about them. And, you know, no, no matter how much they try to stop the cruising there, it's a, you know, a, it's a cruising area and it will always be that. And it's, it has that energy about it. So, Do you remember I the first it. time you went there? Actually, I, I never went there until um, during the pandemic. I heard that um, it was becoming really active. Yeah. And that's the first time I ever went. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm, you know, I'm a typical, you know, New Yorker. I've been here since the eighties and I live in the East village and, you know, I, so I don't go above, you know, 34th street <laughs> ever. <laughs> so, so Guillermo, did uh, you have any connection to that place before then? Or have you always lived on the I, West coast or I that was, area? No, I was born and raised in, in New York city in Manhattan right. in Washington Heights. So, um, yeah, I, I was, you know, I had been to the Ramble before, but I was in my 20s and I sort of didn't really know. I kept hearing stories about it, but I didn't really know how to get to that spot. It's sort of like a maze. Right. Do you know what I mean? You have to sort of figure it out and then you stumble upon it and you're like, oh, here it is. And um, so I never quite got into the spot where, where all the action was happening. And there's several spots. It's not just one spot. The ramble is quite sort of large and right, Todd. I mean, there's a lot, yeah. a lot of spaces and 
Um, it's not all just one clump. Um, so I had heard about it and I did go, but I, I didn't really sort of get into it until uh, Todd and I started talking and then Todd and I would go because he was doing his sort of, you know, his his shot list and figuring out where he wanted to shoot things. And so we would go and, and you know, it was it was sort of research for us too. They, I, I remember there were, when we started shooting the movie, there were days that we would go to, to set and we there'd be guys like fucking around and we'd have to be like, okay, we got to wait. So they're done because he's this guy is getting a blowjob. So right. we'd wait until we're done and then we'd jump in and shoot our scenes. I, I mean, this happened a, a, a few times. Guys it, getting blown are the leaf blowers of this project where you're like, if we give them 20 bucks, do you think they'll turn it off for five seconds so we can get this shot? Um, what is it like to shoot there? Were you, because I know Todd, you're kind of down and dirty filmmaker. Are you getting permits or are you running and gunning? Like, how is it working when you're shooting in Central uh-huh. Park? Uh, we did not get permits. I mean, it's a public space, so you're legally you can film there, whatever, whatever you want. Right, Good. whenever you want. Um, and we had a very, very small crew. There was three people in the crew total, right. including myself. <laughs> well, actually, <laughs> no, four people, including myself. Right. Um, so you know, we have we kept a really low profile. Um, and you know, like like Cameron was saying, we went there quite a bit before we started shooting. So I, the great thing about about that was I was able to sort of plan out the whole shoot in advance. Um, so um, I had it all storyboarded. The people that in the park sort of knew me, right? Um, so it was, and you know, the park rangers were all very cooperative. You know, they were like, "Hey, Guillermo." And you're, you guys are back. Right. You know, it so probably helps that you're like kind of like people know you and you're like, love scandal. Go ahead and shoot the anal thing today. Good luck. Best of luck. Like, well, it, and they had no idea what the movie was about. Right. You know what I mean? It was great. But yeah, it was, it was funny because there was something that were like, oh, half baked or scandal. Yeah. yeah. It kind of gets you that goodwill probably helps a lot. Todd, when Guillermo, Guillermo first reached out to you and talked about collaborating, what, what was your reaction to that? And how did you guys start to come up with the idea that you wanted to do together? Um, well, I mean, I was really excited because I've, I've been a fan of Gamma yeah. since the very beginning. So, I mean, I was thrilled um, to have the opportunity to work with him. So I, you know, like I said, I'd gone to the Bramble during the pandemic and I was sort of thinking about cruising and I wanted to make a movie about cruising um, so I sort of wrote the script with Guillermo in mind. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, really amazing to be able to work with him. And I, I, I loved it. It's great. And, and I, I remember I, I, I was, I had told Todd that I wanted, I, I'm a huge horror film fan, right. thrillers and all of that. And I was like, I would love to do something in that genre. And then Todd was like, I have this idea about cruising. And so he sort of, you know, melded the two things together and he Todd is a fucking genius man he wrote this script I want to say in like four to six weeks it was super fast and how long was the shoot how fast did the shoot go oh my god it was what Uh, was it 14 days boom there it is (laughs) um and the thing is I never do more than eight hour days so you know I'm organized it's eight hours you know we uh, we uh, we get it done and uh he also, Todd doesn't like to work super early in the morning and neither do I. Right. So well, that's I think good. Our, earliest, our earliest days that we had were like 10 a.m. Because one of the other actors had to sort of be out early, I think. Right, Todd? Yeah. But we were yeah. sort of, you know, early afternoon-ish, I think. Which is and, – and Todd also doesn't do a lot of takes. He's not one of those directors that does a ton of takes, which is great. He gets – once he gets what he wants, then we move on to the next scene, which is a dream for an actor, you know? On the subject of cruising, I'm kind of in awe of it. Like, I came of age when sex was very scary and nothing was like – and so I was always like – it was never my thing because I just never felt like I could deliver. Like, I never felt like it would go well. That's my (laughs) – that's on me. Um, So when people can do it, like, you'll see somebody on Twitter that's like, I went to this bathroom and we had successful anal sex under the stall. I am in awe. Like, I want to give them scores. Like, I'm I'm amazed that they can do it. Like everything works right and it is fulfilled and it works. What is it about cruising, Todd, that that intrigues you? Because you've you've and how has that evolved over time? Because I know you've you've depicted it before. What is it about it that that you fast that's fascinating to you? 
Well, I mean, I, I think what's fascinating about it is, um, you know, I grew up in Maine, and when I was a kid, I remember going to, you know, the mall bathroom and seeing, like, things written on the wall or, right. like, seeing glimpses of things and, like, realizing, like, oh, stuff happens here. And, you know, that fascinated me. And, you know, the whole secret, it's almost like a, another world, a secret society that no one else knows about. Um, that really fascinated me. And I, like you were saying about, um, you know, you were afraid to go cruising, but I think, you know, the good thing about cruising is you never really had to follow through with anything because there was always like someone would walk in or someone would come by. So there was always an excuse to stop. So yeah. you didn't, you, you could be in the state of, of sexual arousal, but you never follow through with anything. It could be all about the chase. It doesn't have yeah. to be about, I think in my head, it was have to be about, oh, you have to deliver on something. Uh, no. It could just be, you know, eight hours of chasing, and that was a fun night out. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Do, do you have any thoughts on this, Guillermo? Like this this world generally, did it ever intrigue you at all? Or I'm a yeah, little bit yeah. in I awe mean, of grew, it. Yeah, I grew up in the 80s, again, like I said, in New York City. And, you know, I was in, in my late teens, early 20s, mid-20s, all. And, and some of my first sexual experiences were cruising, like in a, you know, or the party bathroom or in the park or wherever, because like you said, you know, you know, gay sex was scary at that time. It was the height of the AIDS crisis, right. you know, even though I had, I barely would do anything with a guy and I was like, I for sure am HIV positive. You know, it's that, that's as a gay man, you're just scared shit of, of sex in general. So right. like Todd said, I think cruising became sort of the easy way to, to, to get off because you could just go to a bathroom and, you know, are we being, I'm being super explicit, just jerk off with a guy next to you in a urinal and go home and you yeah. didn't have to do anything or touch each other. Even sometimes you would just watch and, yeah, you know, so it, it, it yeah, that's, that's, that's my thoughts about Interesting. it. Interesting. I like it. Um, this is neither here nor there, but some of the finest raccoon work I've ever seen in a film <laughs> in your movie, you have these raccoons Right there, like, yeah. th- were they just there and they you're able to shoot them? Like, they were they were ready for their close up. Is my point? Well, I mean, the the raccoon man um, was a character that we met when we were going to the uh, to the ramble. So I, I I wrote him into the script. The guy that's and, in those scenes is somebody you met. Yeah. Wow, I love that. Yeah, I mean, at first we were going to cast somebody to be him, but Guillermo and I both agreed, like, no, we need to get the real raccoon man to be in the movie. That's a um, real guy. All the raccoons, all the raccoons know him. And they all come to him every night, and he feeds them. And you know, there's sometimes there's like 50 raccoons there, but that's like really late at night, so we couldn't get them on camera because of you know if you turn the lights on, they run away. Um, so I'm, we managed to get the ones we got at sunset. Um, but yeah, there's a lot more raccoons than that, and, uh, yeah, and they all have names, and they yeah. all have characters. <laughs> and he's known as Raccoon Man. Like you could go to the park right now, or he, he has a certain time that he goes, and he's there every single day, feeds the raccoons. He has a couple of, he has this woman who actually cooks like a big pot of food for the raccoons, and she brings that to him to also feed them. And then there's another guy that brings food. Like it's a whole, it's a whole thing. Like the raccoons are his homies. You know, he's he's so he, it, that that's what was so great and so fun for. For Todd and I, I think to to get to use the actual person, you know, it wasn't an actor; it was the actual guy. Well, it's this sort of culture that's there, and these people—you see the same faces. Yeah. Would you see the same faces yeah. when you would go back? Would you see the same guys cruising, or is it more sort of local people that would sit on a bench and read the paper? Uh, no, a lot of them were the same people, and it's funny. We met this guy who the the businessman character was based sort of on. And uh, he sort of gave me a tour and showed me some places that I didn't know and told me stories. And he was saying that, you know, that, like, oh, this guy, like, he sits in that bench every day. That's his bench. And this guy, that's his area. You know, so everyone has their own little spot. And it, so it is like a little community in and of itself um, that's fascinating. What's the police and the park rangers' attitude to that area? Are they kind of like, don't ask, don't tell? Do, or is there a lot of harassment and arrests? Like, how do they deal with it? Because you know that's got a reputation for that. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, these days, at least as far as I know still, um, the police have sort of, you know, don't ask, don't tell. Right. I've not been involved in it, I think. Um, but 
in my experience in cruising areas and different cruising areas around the country, um, it's funny because I used to go to the Fens in Boston, which is a notorious cruising area there. And every year, the day after Gay Pride, the cops would be there on in mass, like just arresting everyone, like knocking people out. Like the day after Gay Pride. It's Why the always, day after Gay Pride? They felt because like because it's uh, like let's get them now. Yeah, it's like you I know, can't take it in our uh, face anymore. Yeah, like yeah, let, let's let's beat them back. We'll a little show bit. them. Yeah, 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 their parade. Don't they're getting too big for their britches? Wow. So I, I think that happens with with cruising areas, and you know there'll be some somebody will decide like oh it's time to like go through that area and make some arrests and uh, you know like teach them a lesson, um, but you know. People are always people start trickling back like you know a couple of days later and it just gets back to normal. So Guillermo, you set out on this adventure, reaching out to Todd uh, with an idea of doing something different. Did this experiment live up to what you were hoping for, or in what ways did it did it uh, surprise you? Oh yeah, beyond it lived up to what what I expected and hoped for, and and beyond that, um, <clears throat> it was it was it was a extremely like exciting and satisfying to work with someone who I felt super safe with, who was very collaborative and, and super open to my ideas as, as well. And, and, uh, uh, again, a director that's unapologetic and willing to push, push boundaries and, um, and all of that. So it was, it was extremely, uh, satisfying and thrilling. And, and, uh, also another thing that was super, uh, exciting that we got to do is, I got to um, sort of bring in the like the the actress that plays my mother and the act, actress that plays Ren, my my boss in the film, and the woman that plays my ex wife. All those are are friends friends of mine that are that I've known forever that I've worked in films or theater or in in uh, television shows on with, and I, I knew how extremely talented they were. And I was like, Todd, what do you think of these 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 women and these 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 actors? And he loved them and that worked really well. So that was super exciting. Um, I mean, their work is so amazing in the film and Becca Blackwell also, who is, uh, an amazing, um, uh, trans, uh, actor and, uh, and they're, they, they go by they. So can you say actor? Do you say actor or do you yes, say, cause I, I think, think an actor is anyone who actor acts. Is, I think. Yes. Yes. It's, it's both. And I had yeah. done a movie called bros, the yeah, uh, Billy film. And Becca was in that film. And I remember thinking, Oh my God, when I, Todd and I started, uh, talking about the movie, I was like, "Oh my God, it'd be great if he could play, or if they could play my love interest," and and they were open to it. So that that was all so thrilling and exciting. Well, everyone's really good, and and they have hard things to do, especially the mother. She's yeah. dealing with dementia. She has big scenes to do that are sort of heightened, kind of melodramatic, and like, but she grounds it. It's kind of remarkable. Guillermo, I'm going to make an observation about your career from the outside that I have no idea about, but I've interviewed a lot of. Gay actors, some out, some not. And there's a lot of angst around coming out and being out or not out or whatever. You seem to have moved through your career without, without a lot of that angst around you. Or maybe I, – I don't know you. I've never met you. But you seem to have been yourself and, and navigated your way and done what you wanted to do and, and not spent a lot of time about it. Am I, is that fair to say? Yeah, that's that's super fair to say. Listen, from I've always been a sort of very rebellious, like you know, a bucking authority and and uh, wanting to do my own thing. So from the beginning, I had done a movie called Stonewall. Yeah, I remember it in my early twenties. Terrific. Was, yeah. Oh, thank and you. And also, I was, I was very bummed when the other Stonewall came out and nobody was really talking about this movie because it was so good. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I was a little, I was a little pissed on your behalf at the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was strange because it was so close to the film that we had done. Or, yeah. Um, but anyway, so when I, I, I was doing press for that movie, I was told, you know, by my team, I like my manager and stuff. You're, they're going to be asking you if you're gay, so you have to figure out if you're going to say you're gay, and then you're that's it. Now you're your whole career is and it's life actor. and death and everyone's scared yeah. and everyone's uh, you need to be freaked out about this 24 yes. 7 yeah yes yes and i and i i thought about it for a second i was like hell no like i'm not imagine living my life up until yeah. now like listen i love queen latifah but not once she said i am a gay woman she's still sort of teetering around right. and we are all we're all on eggshells around like yeah, yeah. 
and I sort of get it and I love her and I love her work. But um, anyway, I just knew I wasn't that guy. I wasn't that actor. So I came out super early in a magazine. I think it was called Genre, a magazine called Genre. I used and- to write for Genre. Yeah. No way. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. Back I in remember the day. I, my manager at the time too, because I had done a movie with Gregor Rocky where I played a gay character and I had done Stonewall and then another gay film and my manager sat me down once and said listen we have to build up your your body count he literally said that like he wanted me to kill more people on film because i was doing too many gay movies can you believe that so the murderers would cancel out the gays like if you were yes. playing a psycho yeah. killer he thought if you play a lot more tough characters and yeah. kill people on on film you know because i was also playing a lot of thugs at the time very, right um Anyway, so I, I just never forgot that, that he said, you have to build up your body count. I was like, that's so fucked up. That's so messed up. But it strikes me that you never, like, there was never a lot of strum and drang in, within you around it. That's yeah, so good. Yeah. Because I, I sort of moved moved forward thinking, listen, if somebody doesn't want to work with me, oh, well, yeah. fuck it. And, you know, I had that young sort of naivete. I didn't, I wasn't thinking too far in the future. I, I was like, oh, I'm going to make it no matter what. I don't care. And sure enough, you know, I started, like, I remember being on Weeds and even Half-Baked and Chappelle knew my boyfriend and my boyfriend had come to set. And like on Weeds, Mary Louise Parker was, I remember giving her a copy of my pinups magazine. I had done pinups magazine where I was naked and yeah. with 27 pages and it was an underground magazine in New York. And Mary Louise was like, sign one for, like, everybody's just been super accepting and it never affected me negatively. So I've been super fortunate. Yeah, it seems like you did great, and there were—I think there were people that were probably in your on your same journey that ang- a lot of angst around it, a lot of second guessing, turning right. things down, and like the personal toll it took. And it sounds like yeah. to me you were like, "I need to be authentic. Uh, it's not worth the. It's not worth the price." Right. Yeah, 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 totally. Todd, do you mm-hmm. have any observations about that world? Because I'm sure you've worked with other actors and seen other actors, yeah. or. I think uh, actors are very suspicious or superstitious. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, and it's like, oh, if, if I if this one thing like might get in my way, like yeah. I better push that aside. Or um, you know, and I think there is a lot of pressure uh, um, from agents and managers to you know, don't say that, don't do this, don't do that. Like you know, trying to like. And I, I admire actors like Guillermo who yeah. are just like, um, this is who I am and I don't give a shit what you think. Yeah. Um, I, I'm here to work and, you know, that's what's important and that's what should be important. Yeah. Like, the work is important. It doesn't matter who you're sleeping with or anything like that. Right. Like I understand. I've always, I've always been like that with casting too. You know, I've, 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 you know, since my very first movie, I've cast trans actors or, um, cast colorblindly um or you know gender what the gender didn't matter of characters so i think that is what we should all be concentrating on not you know yeah now todd i read in your bio i think it says you've made 35 films and then i was on imdb and i think you have 60 directing credits (laughs) i I know people, um, myself included, I've made a few short films and you, you put all your thing into it and you pay your own money or you raise money or whatever. And maybe you, you have a great experience and maybe you do too. And you're like, and then other things get away. You keep going. What is that? What, what is it in you that keeps you going? Because it's not easy to make these projects. Um, and I really admire that you have stuck with it. Uh Thank you. I mean, I, I think for me, it's always, you know, when I'm, I love making films, I love working on them. And, you know, when I'm finishing a project, I'm like, okay, I need to do something else. You know, I mean, it's, 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 so um, I think it's from going to art school. I mean, going, I went to Rhode Island, Rhode Island School of Design. And, um, you know, we were, the the way we were taught there is like, you have to challenge yourself and do what you love and and make it work and figure it out. And so that's what I've done my whole life. It's like, okay, I want to make another movie. I only have, you know, a couple hundred dollars to do it. So I'm going to do it this way. Or if I have a little bit more, I've made a little bit more money for my last movie. I'm going to put that into the next one. And, you know, I think that's the key to sustaining yourself is just figuring out how you can keep doing things and just keep doing them. And don't think about like, um, Oh, who's this movie for? Or, or, 
what is it going to be? Like, just make movies for yourself and, you know, make the things you want to make. Was there right, ever, the, the rest is out of your control? Yeah. The rest is always going to be out of your control. So, was there ever a time when you were trying to court sort of more mainstream acceptance? Yeah. It's just it's like, I'm going to get into Sundance with this one. Or did you ever sort of do that? Or were you always like, I'm going to do my thing, come hell or I water, and what happens, happens. And if, if, if those well, doors I mean, open, great. It was, it was really interesting because, um, after I made Frisk, I, I made a movie called Little Shots of Happiness that I filmed on Hi8 video. So I sort of got caught up in the whole like digital revolution, um, sort of Dogma 95 thing. Right. Uh, so I was getting, you know, all this press. I was in Time magazine. I was on TV shows talking about it and stuff. And I was like, wow, this is going to be great. I'm going to get like the phone's going to be ringing off the hook. <laughs> Hollywood's going to become calling. Yeah. I mean, t- come on. Nobody, nothing. Silence. That is a and recurring think, theme oh, in this podcast, really, by the way. That that idea comes up a fair amount in my conversations, right? But you yeah, learn from that, and, and I, yeah, I learned from that. Like, wow, okay, like, um, you know, and my idols are, you know, people like the Kuchar brothers and you know Andy Warhol, and uh, you know, they just did stuff because they wanted to do it. They didn't give a shit if it made money or anything like that. So, like, those—that's what I'm going to do. Um, and, and, and I've had, you know, I've had, I've had meetings with Hollywood people about, I remember meeting with, um, cause, you know, indie horror was going to be a big thing after, um, Wes Craven's movie, um, uh, what, what, Scream. The, Scream. After Scream. Yeah. After yeah. Scream, it was like, oh, every, every indie studio is going to make like horror movies. So I met with, I think, New Line or somebody and we were talking about different projects and, Talking and talking and talking and meeting and meeting and meeting. I'm like, okay, this is so boring. I just want to make a damn movie. Right. Like, of course, nothing ever happened with it. So I just made my own stuff. So you've made all these movies. What's the part you love the most? What's the What's the part where you're like, oh, this is the editing. I love this part. Like, what's the Where's the biggest like rush come from? I, I think the biggest rush comes from filming. From when shooting. you're on the actually on the set. Yeah, because, you know, I, I love writing and preparing and I love to be, I, I like to be as prepared as possible and be prepared for anything that's going to happen and just be organized. I think that's the key to directing is to be extremely organized. Um, so I like it. I like that. But then when you're shooting, I love the fact that like things just get thrown at you and you have to figure it out and like you have to really like, all of your brain has to be working and, it, and it's exhausting and exciting and it's great. And, it's, and, you know, when I'm done with that, I, I rest for two months right. and then I get it. And, and that, I mean, I love editing too, because it's a, a different kind of like, okay, this isn't working. I've got to make it work. I've got to figure it out. Yeah. So, but I think like physically I, I love shooting. Because you it's love just, being on the set and, and, I love and, being and, on the and, set shooting the movie what's your favorite part Guillermo of these processes um I think this the same thing being on set and and doing the work you know because like Todd said stuff comes up and that you have to deal with and you know you can't you can't plan too much especially with with this type of movie and with this type of director and how we were shooting the film in the short amount of time and things like Todd said would would happen and we would have to deal with them and and just the excitement, you know, the the excitement of uh, taking risks when you're doing a scene and working with the actors that we have in our movie. That was easy to do with them because they're all very experienced and, and you know, excellent actors. So, yeah, being on set and doing the work is my favorite part always. What did you end up doing after this? Have you been back to other bigger budget, budget kind of like mainstream stuff since you've done this? I don't think so. I I don't think so. I think the... The, I want to say not the pandemic, the pan- pandemic happened during, during the, it was happening during the movie. We had to have a COVID uh, compliance officer with us. Um, what did I do after? I don't remember what I did after I started doing the, the scandal rewatch podcast, which I'm still doing right on. <laughs> and then, um, I think I did a few more law and orders, organized crime, which I was doing while right. we were was shooting the movie and. But what's it like yeah. to go from something where it's kind of like down and dirty like this and you're one of the producers to like, oh, here's your nice trailer. We'll see you in a few minutes, Mr. Diaz. And like, is it, it's, is it, is it it's seamless? Sort of de- it's sort of depressing in a way because you don't <laughs> have the same freedoms and it's not, right. you know, as exciting. I mean, some, some stuff is, ex- it is exciting, but you know, right. it's just different. All that, 
all, all that sort of, uh, you know, raw creativity and, and, uh, all that shit is is sort of gone out the window a little bit. You know what I mean when you do like big projects because there's so many people involved, yeah. so many opinions, all that all that crap. And the the good craft service doesn't quite make up for the fact that you're just not as having as much fun as a as a creative person. Exactly. Yeah. Listen, we had great craft service on. Yeah. No disrespect to your craft service. I'm sure it's yeah. quite good. Um, you mentioned Scandal. You were on that show. It was a big deal. A Shonda Rhimes show. My perception from the outside about Shondaland. Is it seemed like a world where people that didn't always get the chances got the chances? Is that fair to say? I think that in terms of writers and actors and stuff, is that fair to say? Oh, absolutely. It's fair to say. Yeah. Just, I mean, exhibit A is me. The fact that she cast a, you know, a gay Latino from, you know, Washington Heights as this, this, you know, train killer spy um, on a show for ABC is just, you know, I, I, you know, normally I remember getting that audition and being pissed off because I was like, are you guys, what are you doing? I'm never going to get this. And they were like, just go in. And I had one audition with Shonda and the, the producers. And she cast me after seeing me one time. She just had and, an instinct um, that you were the right person for it. But yeah. it, it felt it feels like the the the, <clears throat> the idea of what's possible is bigger there. In terms of the vision is bigger and you feel yes. it. That's yes, really I cool. remember. I remember Shonda talking about the Bailey, the lead character of Grey's Anatomy, played by by Chandra, which is different from Chandra Wilson. It was supposed to be Kristen Chenoweth, <laughs> and, and she ended up seeing this amazing, you know, African American actress come in and, and do the audition, and she was like, "Nope, she's the one." So I, Shonda, thank goodness, is very open and like Todd casts blindly and and uh you know just wants the best actor for the role and that's super refreshing and again she has the power to do that you know because on other shows and other movies the network would be like no you have to cast Kristen Chenoweth right but Shonda's like no I don't motherfucker right I'm casting fuck I want and they're like okay yeah you know their shows are huge hits yeah see the sign that says Shonda land that's exactly (laughs) yeah but how lucky are we that she's able to do that yeah um and the fans of that show were a particular variety. Like, they were super into it. Do you still feel the the fandom from that? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Like, every, you know, every week someone will come up to me and talk about the show. Or, yeah, the fans are super hardcore. The the gladiators, as we call them. Yeah, the they have their name. They're into it. And it was like They're an early deep. Twitter show. That was one of the first Twitter shows. We were we were the first show that live tweeted on 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 Twitter. Yeah, yeah. I remember Kerry Washington asked us all to get on Twitter because our numbers weren't doing very well after the first few episodes. We were sort of on the bubble, I think they call it, where you're on the verge of yeah. being canceled. And we all got on Twitter and started live tweeting, and then all of a sudden, you know, our numbers rose, and we got a second season. What was it yeah. like to tweet? Because I don't love I don't love Twitter. Like some people really take to that kind of thing. What was it like for you? Were you kind of into it, or was it like, oh, yeah, I guess I'm gonna do this? Yeah, a, a little bit. But back in the day, it was fun because Twitter was a different animal. Now yeah. it's a it's there's a lot of negativity and it's yeah. political and people are angry and oh, it's so it's such such a downer now. But back then, it was fun. You yeah. could interact, you know, at it, at the moment yeah. while you're watching the show. We would live tweet with fans. And be like, oh my god, this is what I was, you know, doing or feeling while I was shooting this scene. It was, it was super exciting. It was fun to be a part of that. Yeah, in the moment, in real time. Yeah. Speaking of pop culture, Todd, I appreciate your Rick Astley reference in the film. I also appreciate Eyes of Laura Mars shout out. Um, I'm into that. Um, there's a song also in your movie that's the title of the piece. Talk to me about the song and the title of the movie. Well, the title sort of came about because when I one of the times when I was in the Ramble, there were some cops sort of not really harassing people, but just sort of telling people, like, you can't stay here. You can't stay here. Yeah. They kept saying, like, that's the title. That's the title. Um, but I think it's something we've all heard somebody say to us. Like, I've when I read that, I was like, I felt something, right? Because I think, especially at, like, Hollywood parties, it's like, no, you're not in the right – you can't stay – this is not for you. You need to go yeah. somewhere else. I think we've all felt that. And it, and it also means a lot for Rick's character because, you know, he can't stay with his ex-wife. He no. can't stay with his mother. He can't stay, you know, so he's sort of trying to figure out where he fits in. Right. And who he is. Um, so it worked that way. 
Um, so for the song, the title came first, and then I was like, we need to have a scene in a piano bar. So my friend John O'Manelli, um, who's been in a few of my movies, um, you know, he's a musical theater guy. He writes music and plays music. I was like, let's let's write a song together. So I we worked on the lyrics together, and he came up with the the music. And I was like, okay, and you need to perform it well, <laughs> in the bar. When I heard it, I thought, is this an old song that I just didn't know? And they've taken the lyric from that. You wrote a classic song that sounds like it could be, you know, from that era. I love it. Well, that's the great thing about Jono is he knows so much about musical theater that, you know, he's like, you know, what's going to be from this time period. I don't remember exactly what he's like. It should be from this time period and this kind of style. I'm like, okay, sounds good to me. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> Now, Todd, you've depicted sex a lot in your movies. You, it's been a subject of a, of a number of your things. How have your views about it evolved? Yeah, I don't, that's a that's a tough question because I mean, uh, you know, sex has always been something that I've been fascinated by, and you know, the sort of darker side of it I've always been fascinated by because I've had you know a, a personal history that's a little little dark. Um, so that's something I've always been fascinated by and interested in. Um, I think I'm getting, as I get older, I'm getting more romantic. Well, um, there's a love story in this piece as well. And I think that's part of it. And I was like, oh, that's kind of, there's kind of a sweet thing there. And that, that's kind of what made me want to ask this question. Yeah. So I think, you know, personally, I'm coming around to the other side of the, you know, the the lighter side of sex and the, the more romantic side of sex, but still, you know, sex. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see how that evolves. This is for both of you. In 10 years or so, when you look back on this movie, is there a moment that you'll always remember as like, oh, that moment on that that day, whether it's showing it or shooting it or just a moment about the process that you think you'll always remember? I think for me, just, just filming in the Ramble, like, I mean, it was just such an amazing experience. Um Every day we filmed there, we filmed there for, I think, eight days. So, I mean, it was tough when we were in a location other than that, because, I mean, it was so nice just being there and being in that atmosphere. And I, that's something I'll always remember is to that, that experience of, of filming in the park. Interesting. It was like summer camp, but, you know, for yeah. adults. <laughs> <laughs> with poppers. It was summer camp with poppers. Basically. With poppers. Yeah. Uh, what, what will you always remember, Guillermo? For me, I think I'll always remember um, the, the the fact that I, I took a chance and reached out to a director that I wanted to work with. And I was scared to do that. And he responded positively. And, and yeah, just I'm just super proud of myself that, again, I reached out to a director I, I adore and and loves love his work. And I got to it, it all worked out and we made it happen, you know, which is it it it, it sort of taught me that. It's, you know, it's now or never, right? That's what Elvis said. <laughs> That's when showgirls, Todd. Right. Uh, it's now or never. Just do, you know, go for it now in the moment. And, and you know, because if not, you're just, you're going to, you're going to regret it. And I'm so glad I did. I think it's so cool that you did that. Because I think there are people yeah. that would have a profile like yours, a career like yours, that's whose worlds would get smaller, who would get more scared. But you're the opposite. You're like, I'm going to go <laughs> to this movie and. Like, I think that's cool. I don't think that everybody's like that. Uh, so yeah. Kudos. Yeah, have you cool. always been yeah. that kind of person? Yeah, have you always been Sort like of, yeah. My managers hate me. Cause I'll <laughs> like that. Yeah. Of course, but that's the coolest um, I'm the nightmare client, yeah. It, because you don't play that safe. You don't always go for the yes. money gigs. But I, yes, yes. <laughs> but I don't know. I could be wrong about this. But if you took the person that did what you did, that, that approached their career like that, and put him next to the person that played it safe, was calculated, thought about money. I don't Boring. think you would look at their careers and go, they were that much different. And I bet you right. probably had a lot more fun. You probably had a lot less sleepless nights. You probably feel better oh, yeah. about your life. Oh, yeah, yeah. How boring. that uh, The alternative, right? How boring. Yeah. I'm so happy. Do what you love. Yeah. Do what you love. You have a good time doing it. I mean, that's yeah. the thing with me is uh, I've – you know, when I, if I'm not having fun doing a project, like, why am I bothering with this? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Um, this is probably going to be the last show of 2023 for me in this podcast. So for both of you, I'd love to hear what's a highlight of 2023 for you. For me, it was, um, we went to Mexico City and we had our, our world premiere there. 
of you can't stay here. Because my my highlight is going to be Mexico City. So keep going. No way. I, yeah. I, I I actually had never been to Mexico before. Yeah. Uh, and it was me and my partner, who's also the producer and assistant director, James Kleinman. Oh yeah, who has a role in this as he a, has a, role in this a British guy in a bow tie, which he was born to play. Um, I know James, so yeah, we love James. So you guys and, went. Guillermo went as well, and um, we just had the best time. It was it was so amazing. I really loved it there, and I I, I want to go back. Yeah, I fell in love with the city. That was that would have been my highlight as well. What about for you, Guillermo? What's the uh, highlight that, of the year? That really quickly before I say my highlight, we had a tour guide who his specialty he he took us around to all the cruising the popular cruising areas in Mexico City, and that was. Amazing. That was crazy. The cruising in Mexico City is so much other level. <laughs> next like, level? Next level shit that you would never imagine. Yeah. Compared to how we do it. Yeah. It was exhilarating. It was so good. Does, um, does Is the tour guide's name happen to be Saul Franco? <laughs> no. Oh, different one? I but went, I want to meet Saul Franco. No, now. no. He was my tour guide when I went there, and he does a oh. tour like that. I didn't happen to do that. I did the... I did like the the downtown thing. It was super cool. But I had him on the podcast, and he's a gay tour guide down there. Uh, Diversa tours, by the way, if you're going there. But that's one of the tours that he offers. So there's multiple cruising tours in Mexico City. Yeah. Good to know. Well, and this this gentleman also took us to like you know the churches sure. and the you know the different different yeah. uh, plots that were in cruising museums and all that. Right on. Um, one of the biggest highlights for me was getting getting to to direct my first indie feature film. Like I directed a a film in April. Uh, well, I guess that's not 2023 because we're in the process now of finishing post-production, but, um, but yeah, I got to, to direct my first movie and, and it was super challenging and exciting. And I don't know how Todd does it, but I, I really loved being behind, behind the camera behind the scenes. And yeah, it was, it was awesome. Yeah. I was reading about that. It's called dear Luke. Is that right? Yeah. Dear Luke. Love me. Yeah. Yeah. And what's it, what can you tell us about it? It's a sort of a dysfunctional, sort of quirky love story between two uh, platonic friends that turns romantic and then back to platonic. And one of the characters discovers he's asexual, um, so he doesn't like to have sex. And uh, yeah, it's it's really it's beautifully written by my friend Mally McCowan. And there's animation in it, which is uh, so beautiful. And yeah, it was it was super exciting. What surprised you about directing? What was different than you thought? How fucking everybody turns to you for answers. Like there's, you have to answer people in every department. You know, what size do you want this? Do you want this camera angle? Do you want, you know, what color do you want the shirt to be? Like, I was like, oh my God, can't you figure it out yourself? Yeah. Yeah. You just have to answer so many questions. And Todd is nodding. Yeah. Yeah. That's the key. Yeah. You just have to have an answer, even if you don't know. Yes. Yes. Have an answer. (laughs) Yes. I directed a few shorts and I would love to direct a features one day. My thoughts are that it's a little like falling in love when it's going well. You've, you're, it's almost delirious like you're in love. My oh, other yeah. thought was it's exhausting. Like I did a two-day shoot. I've, I could have got I could have stayed in bed for a week. How do you like how do people do long shoots physically? I don't I guess you get used to it. But I was like I feel like I've been hit by a truck. Oh, yeah. My shoot was about 21 days and we were shooting in Richmond, Virginia. So we weren't even, you know, close to home. And yeah, it was grueling, man. I was fucking exhausted every single day. And you're editing it now. You're putting it together now. So hopefully people can watch it cut. Yeah, we have a locked cut. And now we're just sort of at doing color correction and sound design and all of that. Yeah. It sounds like from you guys talking that you became friends as well as collaborators in this process. Is that fair to say? Wouldn't it be funny if you said no? (laughs) No, we totally did. I feel so much closer to Todd and I I love him dearly. And yeah, I'm so glad he's in my life. Yeah, And James as well. And you just took a chance on Instagram. You just shot it. You just sent him a DM. That's yeah. Yeah. That's and there wasn't a there wasn't a penis involved. No, it was just a straight <laughs> thing. What did you say in the thing? Hey, I like your work. Maybe we can do something together. That's yeah. exactly right. Because you can't write a long DM. DMs are meant to be short. You can't go on and on, right? So it's basically that. I love it. All right. I think and I think we we met and we like had a really long like two hour lunch uh, where I think we both sort of like felt each other out. Yeah. Like, 
Yeah. I think we need, I, I kind of knew like right up, right from the bat, like, okay, this is going to work. Um, I'm going to share briefly my highlight of 2023 because it's involving Mexico City. So I had never been. I'd been wanting to go for a long time. It would be on my dream board every year, every year, every year. And then finally, I, I, I kind of pulled the trigger. I, I didn't have a ton of money, but I'm like, I'm just going to do this. And I was able to do the time. And I'd been taking Spanish online with a tutor once a week for the last two and a half years. And I got to meet my tutor in, in Puebla, Mexico. And oh, I just wow. remember Cinco de Mayo walking around town with my tutor and trying to speak in Spanish and doing okay. And first of all, her name's Denise. And if anyone needs a tutor for Zoom, she's delightful. And she's kind of a goddess. Like, because on Zoom, you don't see people's profiles or their body. And I'm like, you're kind of a movie star. Like, it's like, is it, are you Penelope Cruz? Like, what's happening? So we're walking <laughs> around and I'm just using my Spanish and we're in this charming town. And I had had a blast in Mexico City. And I was like, I think that was my highlight, that moment. And like, and there were, I have pictures that I was taking on that day and I just look really happy. And I think, cause it was cool, but also I kind of made it happen. Like I kept taking chances and like pulling the trigger and there I was. And, um, and also I just, it turns out that this tutor is like a, one of my favorite people. So that would be my highlight. So yay, yay for Mexico city. If That's you're listening exciting. to this and you haven't gone, you need to go. Cause it's, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Tell people how they can see your movie Todd, Cause I know it's showing in New York soon, right? Yeah, it opens in New York City on January 5th at the IFC Center. Um, and Guillermo and I and uh, some other members of the cast will be doing Q&As for select shows. So come and check it out if you're in New York. And it'll hopefully be playing in L.A. Uh, sometime in February. And then it'll become be playing everywhere soon. So I love that. All right. And here's my final question. It's for both of you, but it's kind of a little bit different. I want to know from Todd, why do you make films? And Guillermo, why do you act? Like, why do you guys do this stuff? Um, I make films because I love making films. And I, you know, it's the only, only thing that I want to do. That's it. And you've been doing it for a while. Has the technology changing helped you in this journey? Is it easier now to do it than it was when you started? Um, definitely. I mean, it's easier, uh, but I love technology and I love advances and I love experimenting with the newest products and things. So to me, it's, it's always exciting when a, a new camera comes out or a new editing system or, uh, or all that stuff. So I, I, that, that's one of the things I love too, is just playing with the different technologies. And it's your thing. You're just going to do it until you can't do it anymore. Um, until I dropped it. Yeah. <laughs> until you dropped it. Uh, Guillermo, why do you do what you do? The same, same, same reason. I, I, I don't know how to do any, anything else well, to be honest. And, you know, listen, I love acting, but now I've fallen in love with directing and producing and, uh, you know, being behind the camera as well. And that's, that's really exciting too. I just, I just love being an artist, you know, and there's nothing else I'd want to do just like Todd. Yeah. I love it. Well, you guys, this has been a really fun conversation. Congrats on your creepy, interesting movie. And uh, I hope people go see it. And I hope it has a, a big life ahead of it. And that uh, a lot of people can, can see what you guys did together. So thanks for doing the podcast. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Dennis. Thanks again to Todd and Guillermo. If you're in New York, go see their movie. You can't stay here. If you're not in New York, watch for it. Hopefully it will come somewhere to you in 2024. All right, so this happened. This is the last episode of the year of Dennis Anyone. And I want to thank everyone for listening and for the generous tips that I've gotten throughout the year and all the great conversations. I really had some great conversations this year. So for this So This Happened, I'm going to share something that I'm thinking of possibly embarking on for 2024. I don't know yet. It's early days in terms of my thought process, but I'm going to share this because maybe it'll spark something and uh, you might find it interesting. So um, as you know, I do different things to make a living. I do writing sometimes and interviewing and I have my virtual games that I host and my life cast business that I do. And, you know, I'm piecing together things, but it doesn't always add up to quite enough. I'm managing But there's a feeling of like, maybe there's something more for me out there. Maybe there's something I need to do something. And so one day a few months ago, I woke up in the morning as if from a dream with this very clear sentence in my head, like a directive. And it was, I need to go back to school and I need to study positive psychology. 
It was like a billboard that I had read. Maybe I dreamt it, but it was very clear in my brain that sentence, that that sentiment. Uh, maybe it's a couple of sentences. So, the field of positive psychology is something I've been interested in for probably like seven or eight years. Uh, the idea of what makes people happy and the science behind that, and there is a growing field and of actual um, academics and uh, people that that have studied this. Um, there are things like the Happiness Lab podcast. Um, I took a science of well-being course through Yale online uh, during the pandemic, and it kind of changed my life. And my first exposure to it was a talk at the Writers Guild in 2016. This producer, Lindsay Duran, gave a talk about filmmaking and storytelling. It was for the writers, and she talked about meeting uh, a writer and a, and a professor named Martin Seligman at the University of Pennsylvania, who was sort of considered the father of psychology. Uh, positive psychology, and how his uh, principles sort of um, connected to storytelling and sort of the idea of, he wrote a book called Learned Optimism, where you can sort of, if you're not naturally optimistic, you can learn it and it might help you in your life. And I picked up that book and it really helped me. And a lot of these principles have helped me navigate sort of the ups and downs of life. And also, if you're at a point where you're like, I don't have what I want, and I thought getting what I want was going to make me happy. Well, I don't have it. Am I just not going to be happy or can I be happy anyway? And that's sort of been my project the, the last few years. And I'm happy to say that, yeah, I think you can. I don't think you have to get all the stuff you want. I don't think that's where the happiness is. So anyway, these are principles that have resonated a lot in my life and that I've applied some of these tools that I've read about. And they've really helped me. I think they've been game changers for me. Um, so anyway, so I'm thinking I, I woke up in the morning with this idea of I need to go back to school and study this. And I've done a little bit of exploration around where people might study this. I know the University of Pennsylvania, like I said, is like the main place and there's a few others and I don't know how much it costs, whatever. So I'm like, I'm not going to go to Pennsylvania. I, mean, I can't move uh, at this point. So I'm, I start sort of Googling and it turns out that the University of Pennsylvania has a master's program where you don't have to move there. You go six weekends over the year, like three weekends a semester for sort of intensive weekend sessions of classes. And then the rest is done uh, either virtually or you do things on your own. And then anyway, you can get a master's degree in a year in positive psychology. In the summer, you do what's called your capstone project. Anyway, it's a doable thing. You go to Philadelphia six times in the year. And uh, at the end of the year, after your project, you get your master's degree in positive psychology. I don't know <laughs> what it would do for me. I don't know if there are any jobs that you get, but it's something that I'm interested in and I feel a pull to it. Um, and it's located in Philadelphia. And I remember when I first, that morning when I started Googling it and I saw, oh, there's this program that you don't have to move there. I'm intrigued. And I thought, oh, I have friends that live in Philadelphia. My friends Scott and Victor, they used to live in New York. And I've stayed with them a few times in New York. And I was like, maybe I can see them if I go to Philadelphia. Or maybe they'll let me stay with them. Like, it was like the Scott and Victor was kind of in my head. And the very next day, after I had this, uh, woke up with this feeling, I get a postcard from my friend Scott. And it's a picture of Elton John from the Royal Gallery in London, where I think he had recently visited and Scott wrote on the postcard, I saw this and I thought I needed to send it to you for some reason. Hope you're well, Scott. That's all it said. And I was like, ooh, maybe that's a sign about Philadelphia. Because I was just thinking about them um, in relation to this possible academic journey. So anyway, I'm thinking about doing that. It's expensive. Um, and I might be able to figure, I don't know. I don't know. I have to figure this thing out. But any kind of grad school, I suppose, is, is expensive. Maybe you get loans? I'm not sure. Anyway, I've uh, the application, I think, is due in March. So I am going to explore that in the next couple of months. And I'm sharing that with you because I feel like it. I don't know why. But maybe it'll resonate. Maybe someone will be like, I know someone that did that or whatever. But, um, you know, I could still do a lot of my other things while I'm doing it. And I don't know. I feel like I want uh, this next chapter of my life to be bigger and newer and different and still resonate with all the other stuff I like to do, like this podcast, for example. So anyway, that's my big thing going into 2024. I'm going to explore this idea. 
maybe if I don't do it this year, I, there's another time I can do it. I don't know. Thinking about it. There it is. All right. That's enough for this week. That's enough for this year. I'm, there I said it. Uh, I want to thank Oscar Rosario for mixing the episodes. My theme music is by Mark Daniels for placement music. And I want to thank all of you guys for listening uh, this year. It really means a lot to me. We'll see you next year on Dennis Anyone. Bye. Bye.